Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Long time ago, post Bible college. Gosh, 18 years ago we met, I guess. And we've been doing ministry together, and I really believe in um, the anointing that's on uh, on their lives and uh, and on Pastor Jeremy's life. And so he's going to come share to you. We're sitting here at the at his dining room table. So I'm going to get up from from his seat and uh, let 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 him come sit here and just uh, just speak to you. How about you guys give him a hand as he comes? Hey, City Chapel. I miss you. It's been a while since we've been down to Texas. I uh, know it seems like it's been too long, too long, too long. We'll have to make a make a plan to come down. Yeah. Uh, who knows when, but sometime. <laughs> oh, man. Thank you so much, uh, Pastor Harry. I said last time we were there uh, that Harry's, uh, Harry's my best friend. Um, and uh, he's he's encouraged me throughout the years, and man, it just it means so much to me. Um, you know, I was I was over there almost in tears, uh, but uh, I'm trying to gather myself here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it just means so much. Uh, the journey of church planning is like nothing we've been a part of before. Uh, we've been uh, missionaries to El Salvador. Uh, we've done youth ministry, senior pastor work. Um, church planning uh, requires uh, a lot more of you, <laughs> requires everything. And uh, just when you think you've given everything, well, there's more to give. <laughs> and so, um, but anyways, uh, Pastor Harry coming down here uh, the past few days has been so valuable to us. So thank you for sharing him. Ro, thank you for sharing Harry, we appreciate that. <laughs> and, it was a sacrifice for her. It was a sacrifice. I know it was definitely a sacrifice. Um, so, uh, yeah, we had a good time yesterday looking at some some locations, and uh, he helped me with just uh, a number of things yesterday. So, so thankful for that. Um, one particular location we looked at, we think we're going to be launching from. So we we drew out a little map of how everything could look. So it's so cool to get that on paper. Uh, for our for our launch date and and then we also looked at another location and I have to tell you about something that will probably end up scarring me for life it's it's a pretty sad story yes a sad story uh, we we walked into this one location and we had to wait a little bit for the lady uh, that that was going to show us around so she um, after she showed someone else around to the facility she she uh, she came to get Harry and I. And uh, she showed us around. We looked at, their, uh, at the room we could potentially be in and uh, showed us the rest of, of the place as well. And then afterwards, uh, there was another lady sitting at the desk, and she, she mentioned to the lady, uh, she said this, nice hair, right? And, and she said, yeah, yeah, nice hair. And, um, and I was still standing there, and she looked at me, and she was like, oh, you have nice hair, too. And so I felt like I got the participation trophy for being Harry's friend. Uh, if I ever go back there, I'll be known as the guy, as the friend of the guy with good hair, nice hair. So, uh, anyways, at least it's something. It's it's a consolation prize. So I, I am the friend of the guy with good hair. <laughs> 
yeah, sad story, uh, scarring, but <laughs> anyways, um, I tell you what, this is, who's enjoying the first week of prayer and fasting? Yes, yes, exciting, all those berries and nuts and uh, whatever else you're eating, I'm not sure, but <laughs> it's very exciting. Um, so one thing the Lord has been really stirring my heart with uh, this week is uh, is really just like half of a verse, and it comes from Luke, uh, Luke chapter 6, uh, verse 20. And and it got me uh, the beginning of this week, I think. I think it was Monday morning. I was reading this before going to work. And um, and the Lord just, oh man, he just really engaged my heart with this verse. I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you just kind of stuck on on a verse or or two a week. It's just uh, it's, it's really a cool thing. And so uh, Luke chapter 20 uh, or Luke chapter six, verse 20 says, he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and he said, um, another translation says it like this. Uh, it says, and turning his gaze towards his disciples, he said. So just just that thought, like I've been interrupted this week by God's gaze, like the fact that God would turn his eyes toward his disciples. It's really a very cool thought. Um, it, it took me back to Exodus 33. Where, uh, where the Bible says Moses used to talk to God face to face, like they were actually making eye contact, right? And those of us who, uh, who engage in conversations with others, <laughs> uh, we know that eye contact is pretty important, right? Uh, eye contact is very important. So when Luke, when, in, in Luke 6, whenever it says Jesus lifted up his eyes on his disciples, it's like, he wasn't just, uh, you know, making some statements, throwing statements out there, hoping someone would catch it. But like literally he was looking into the eyes of his disciples. He was he was gazing at them. He turned his focus. He turned his eyes on his disciples. And and there was a multitude coming to him at this point in Luke chapter six. There was a multitude coming. He had healed people. He had delivered people. There were a lot of people around. But. At one point, he went up the mountain, kind of retreated a little bit, and his disciples followed him up there. And then he, he really got the chance. He really got the opportunity to gaze into the eyes of his disciples. And, um, and, and these disciples, they weren't necessarily a lot different from, from us. It was a mixed crowd of disciples. Uh, there were people, there were disciples there who, uh, who had begun following and then you know, left following and started following again. And uh, we're just having some issues with this whole uh, follow me and I will make you sort of thing. Uh, and some of us have been there. Uh, there were there were people there who definitely didn't have it all together. Um, some of them have heard his voice before, but kind of let the cares of this world uh, uh, become a, a vice for them. Some of them have witnessed his miracles, uh, but they managed to fall back into life without him. And so um, all all of them that day, um, they had a need to come away and let the gaze of God really get their attention. All of them, the, those who came to Jesus, no matter where they were, no matter what they had been, been through, no matter what uh, 2020 had, 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 had done to them or what they had experienced, they had a need to come to Jesus and just let his gaze settle upon him. I think that's an amazing thought. Um, and his gaze just letting his gaze uh, settle upon them, letting him look at them, like really look at them, 
had the potential, check this out, to take them to a place they had never been before. Letting his gaze, letting God gaze into their eyes had the potential to take them to a place they had never been before. 2020 really offered us that opportunity to, to get alone with God. So many things were shut down, and we know in 2020 is kind of in the past, but, but it offered us that, that opportunity uh, to, to come away and let God gaze at us. And if you, didn't let you let, if you didn't let that happen in 2020, well, here's 2021. And you're here now, and we're here in Florida, and so we're allowing God to gaze into, gaze into our eyes. We're letting him look at us, and so to, this morning, just let him look at you. <laughs> let him look at you. Um, we've come this morning like they came to him that day. <laughs> just let him make eye contact. Let him make eye contact. I don't know about you, but uh, wearing, wearing masks, um, it hides, it, I, well, we all know, know this, right? It, it hides most of our facial features. <laughs> it hides our gestures. But I found myself looking more, um, I found myself looking more, uh, more intently into people's eyes when I'm talking to them. Uh, it makes me focus more on their eye and making eye contact than than ever before, and so that that kind of scares some of us, right? To 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 make eye contact with God, it's it's kind of a scary thought at first. Like he's the he's the one with eyes of fire. Like what does this even mean, making eye contact with God? Like like he's holy and and pure, and and my eyes are uh, not. They are what they are, right? I mean, it's kind of a scary thought. Um, we may feel like the, the, the kid who don't, don't, doesn't want to look at their parent when they've done something wrong because they're ashamed, right? Kind of hide our face from him. Uh, it reminds me of a, of a story I heard about, uh, about a little boy who, who, um, who received the, the gift of a baseball uh, one, uh, one time from his dad. And this little boy would, uh, would love to just go outside and throw the, throw the baseball up in the air and then hit it with a bat, you know, as far as he, can, far as he could, like, like boys would. And one particular day, he, he threw the ball up, swung, hit it with a bat, and it went further than it had ever gone before. And, and it happened to sail right through the window of, of a neighbor's house. And so the boy did what a lot of boys would do. Uh, after that, he, he knew what had happened. He ran into his house and he hid. And he hid for quite a while. And and the mom, uh, the mom called the dad. The dad was at work, told him what had happened because the neighbor had come over and said, hey, uh, you know, this ball belongs to your boy. <laughs> he, hit, he hit it. It sailed through my window. And and so um, the mom called the dad, told him what happened. The dad came home from work. I think he must, he must have just come home on his lunch break or something. And uh, they couldn't find the boy. They couldn't, fi- they couldn't find him. Where was the boy? He was hiding. And, and they, when they looked in their bedroom, he was hiding underneath of their covers. Under like, they, they saw a bulge in their bed, and there was this little boy hiding under the bulge of covers. And so what did the dad do? He, 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 he didn't just go in and, and was like, you know, how could you? How could you? How could you hit the ball through the window? And then he didn't tell us, blah, blah, blah. The first thing he did was he, he uncovered him. He, he held him close. And he made eye contact with him. And he said, I love you. I love you. There's nothing you could ever do to make, you, make me love you anymore. And there's nothing you could ever do to make me love you any less. So he looked at him with, with eyes of love. And so that's what I want to let you know that 
that making eye contact with God, first of all, this morning, it means making eye contact with the eyes of love. Uh, you're, he, he loves you. He loves you and he's chosen to love you, right? He, he wants to make eye contact with you and he wants to let you know that just how much he loves, loves you and, and the depths of his love for you. And that's the gospel, right? For God so loved the world, right, that he gave Jesus. And so, uh, so, so he looks at you with eyes of love. You don't have to hide, you know, whenever you know who's looking at you. You don't have to hide whenever you have confidence in the one who wants to make eye contact with you, that he actually loves you like he does. You don't have to hide. And so that brings us to the next place that I, I want to take us here is um, um, uh, there, there's a three-letter word, not a four-letter word in the text that we read from Luke chapter 6. Uh, there's a three-letter word uh, that transforms the whole meaning of, of that verse. Um, it's this three-letter word in, in the Greek. It's actually E-I-S. I'm not sure how you pronounce that. Uh, but, but that word in our text is trans translated on or towards. And what that does is it implies movement or motion in the, in the original Greek language. And so what Jesus is doing when it says that he lifted up his eyes on or he, he, he gazed toward them is that he's, want, he's looking at them for a purpose. Like he wants to move them somewhere. He's looking at them to take them to a place that they've never been before. He's looking at them to move them somewhere just, just with the gaze of God. That's crazy. Uh, just, he's looking at them for that purpose, to take them somewhere they had never been before. That's the eyes of love. I'm looking at you because I have something so much better for you. I'm looking at you because, because I love you. And there's, it, there's, there's a place that better than what you've ever dreamed of. And I want, I'm, I'm looking into you to take you to that place. I'm looking into you to take you to that place. And so he was making co eye contact with them to connect them with a greater, greater reality. He was making eye contact with them to take them into the greater reality. There was something greater for them than where they were. And so he was, his gaze was conveying, conveying that to them. And so, so it also says this. It says in Luke chapter 6, uh, verse 20, it says he looked at them and then he spoke. Uh, Matthew 5, in the parallel passage, um, uh, in, in Matthew 5, verse, uh, verse 2, I think, it says that Jesus opened his mouth and he began to say. So, so, so he was looking at them and then he spoke. And so it was like his very words were the vehicle to which he was going to take them to this new place, to this greater reality. Like he was gazing at them to take them to a greater reality, but how they were going to get there. Like where are their wheels? Uh, what how was it going to happen? Well, his words, like he opened his mouth and he began to speak. And, and a lot of Hebrew scholars say that this was like a Hebrew idiom because how, how, do, how do you speak without opening your mouth? Well, you really can't. I mean, you can mumble, but that does, that's not what Jesus was doing. And so it was like when, 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 the, the, when it says that he opened his mouth and began to speak, it was like, you know, God was using his mouth to say something special. Like they wanted to draw, draw attention to that very fact that he was opening his mouth and speaking to his followers. So he was gazing at them and then he began to speak. And his words were the, were the, were the vehicle to take them to where he wanted, to, wanted them to go. The very words of God. 
It wasn't a, it, the very words of God. It wasn't just about uh, 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 um, just just any kind of words. But it was his living word that he was going to speak to him there, that that he was going to speak to them, that was going to take them where they needed to go, where he wanted them to go. And and so so what did he say? <laughs> That's the thing. Like so 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 we have the build up now, right? So so here's Jesus. He's looking at his disciples. What's he going to say? It's kind of the same build up. If if I'm trying to encourage you to let God look at you, well, what is he going to say? What could he say? Like, there's a lot of things that he could say. What, what is it that he may say? And so, so he says something that, that basically would have thrown everybody off as he begins what we call the Beatitudes. He said something that would have thrown everybody off, kind of shocked, it would have shocked everybody. He starts off by blessing this group of disciples. And so oftentimes what we think whenever we hear God uh, or whenever we think of God speaking to us, it's, we may not think that he's going to say something like a, a word of blessing or a declaration of blessing, but that's how he starts out. And so, and so, so he starts off by, by declaring a blessing. But when you dive a little bit deeper, what that word blessing means is not how, not how we usually think of it. Uh, that word blessing literally would mean to the Hebrew hearer, it would mean lucky or fortunate or happy. And so, so he's, he's looking at his disciples. He's gazing at them and, and his, his voice and his words are going to be the vehicle to take them somewhere where they've never been before. And so, so man, they're probably hanging on every word that he has to say. And a lot of us really do want to come into a new reality this new year, right? We want to go into a new place with God than we've ever been before. We want to take our family into a new place with God than they've ever been before. We want to we want to see him move in our workplace or wherever it is, how, whatever it is. We we, we want to see change this year, but it's not going to happen aside from God's gaze and aside from his word. It's not going to happen. And so so he looks at him and he says, he says, lucky. You guys are lucky. That goes against our Christianese, right? We, we don't even say lucky. We say things like blessed because it sounds a lot more christian to say blessed than lucky right we 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 just whenever we we don't even say good luck a lot of times we'll be like uh blessings because <laughs> it just doesn't sound very very religious it doesn't sound like what christians say like we don't believe in luck because well we got god on our side but but jesus said he didn't even say blessing that's not how that word even translates the word translates as lucky or fortunate or happy and so he's looking at these guys that are, that are hanging on his every word, looking into, looking into his eyes, and, and he says, you guys are lucky. Literally, it says, lucky are the poor in spirit, or lucky the poor in spirit. <laughs> lucky the poor in spirit. And it's like, well, how could these guys be lucky? Or how could these guys be happy? And the word he uses for poor isn't just like... Um, like a, a you know someone making barely making ends meet it isn't someone who uh is you know nine to five and, and still not able to pay all the bills and you know we're living in a state of poverty that's not that's not who he's talking about he's talking about the person who who who's like a beggar that's what that word that's where that word comes from it's a beggar the word literally means to crouch or to cower down or to kneel down and beg <laughs> and he says Lucky the poor. 
and everybody's looking around at each other at this point like dude did he just say that um because those guys don't look very lucky to me <laughs> lucky lucky the poor like how how could those guys i mean i mean it's we, these he's saying that the guys that are lucky are the guys we usually try to avoid like oh i don't even want to look at those pictures of the of the poorest of the poor the 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 people who are who are starving to death who who are struck with famine who don't have the basic necessities of life he's like those those guys are lucky <laughs> and the disciples are like, wait, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It's like, it's like as I was reading, reading to, to, for, to study a little bit deeper, there was a photographer who, who took a picture um, back in 1995, I think. And he took a picture of a Sudanese child who was starving to death. And, and they were kind of, they were, they, were, um, they were curled up in a fetal position. And, and in the background, there was a vulture ready for his next meal. And it, it sounds, it sounds horrid. Like, how could I even say that? And it's supposed to be like, that's, that's the picture that we get. Like, like that there's no hope other than someone coming to supply them with something they don't have other than um, it's, it's like the guys who, who, who yell out alms, who, who ask for alms and alms, like they're lucky if someone notices them and gives them a morsel of food or a dollar or a dime or a quarter. Like those are the people Jesus is talking like lucky, lucky the poor. Those guys are lucky if someone notices them as they're on the corner. Lucky, those guys are lucky. Like they're lucky if they can just get a scrap from the master's table. But then he throws in in spirit and that kind of that kind of derails them again. Like, what does that even mean? How does how does this picture of poverty, someone just barely surviving, definitely not thriving. And then and then in spirit, how does this even relate? So what it means is that's our that's our condition, our condition uh, without Christ and without without being being desperate or as a, as desperate people for God, like we we are without the basic necessities of of a healthy spiritual life without God. We do not have the basic necessities of a healthy spiritual life without Him. There's no way. <laughs> There's no way. And so how do we how do we access the the basic necessities of spiritual life? Like we are dying without Him. There's no way to have to have to have life without him. And so we're dying without him. So how do we even access this? How do we even access these these spiritual nutrients? And in, 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 in according to Jesus, it's like taking the position of a beggar, taking this humble position. And the word poor even comes from this this word that means like someone willing to be willing to, to bend, someone willing to beg, someone willing to, to humble themselves before God. Like, I can't make it on my own. There's no way that I can do this on my own. I can't fix my sin problems. I, can't, I cannot live without you. And that's the, that's the imagery. Like, lucky the poor in spirit. Lucky the poor in spirit. Because they've realized just how, just how, just how destitute they are. 
They've become, they've, they've come to the desperate place of just like the picture I mentioned earlier, like, look, we're literally in this, in this curled up fetal position with the enemy lurking like that vulture ready to devour us unless someone notices us. And so Jesus stands in front of his disciples, locks eyes with them and says, he says, I've noticed you. <laughs> I'm locking gaze with you right now. I'm, I'm locking my eyes on you right now. I'm looking at you, noticing that you can't make it on your own. And so now I'm giving you what you need. <laughs> because, because the end of that verse, is, he says, lucky the poor in spirit. Literally, the kingdom of heaven is theirs or or theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't mean that the kingdom of heaven belongs to them because the kingdom of heaven only belongs to God, like God's kingdom is God's, right? But literally, because, because there, are, there are these people who are desperate enough to, to call out to God, like the kingdom of God has come near. That's what Jesus always said, right? He always said, like, um, the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of God is at hand. And so... And so this is, this is the picture that he's giving. The, the Lucky are the poor in spirit. They've taken this humble position, and there's no hope without humility. <laughs> there's no hope without humility. And so, so blessed are these people. Lucky are these people. Because I'm looking at them, and it's the best day of their life right now. If you can, if, if you can see yourself as this desperate person, I want to take you to a new place that you've never been to before. But you have to realize you can't get there any other way. You've taken the position of a beggar and I have what you need and the kingdom of God only comes in this way. The kingdom of God only comes to, to Austin through people who humble themselves and realize that there's no other way than for their, for their healthy spiritual life than to receive these words of Jesus and to receive what Jesus has done for them. There's no other way. There's no other way for the kingdom of God to come into your home than, to, than for you to realize that you don't have it all together, that, that there's no way you can do it on your own, that you are destitute without what you need, without him. And so it's coming back to this place of desperateness. And it's not just that the kingdom of God comes at like, at like one time, but it's like the kingdom of God actually exists where there is desperateness. The kingdom of God actually comes into existence in the place where, 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 where you decide that, that, that you are coming humbly before him, desperate before him, knowing that there's no other way. Like you hang on his every word for your survival. You, his word is your daily bread. His spirit is, is the water that you need to survive. And so he looks at his disciples with eyes of love. He said, this is the best day of your life. This is the best day of your life. Because you can, you can realize just what it takes for the rule of God to come into your life, not as a formula, but it just happens, it, it has to do with a state of being. Like I'm, I am desperate. I am destitute without him. And so, so he says, These, you guys are lucky. <laughs> lucky. 
And so I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to come humbly before God. I want to encourage you to let him look at you. And don't be afraid because he, he, he looks at you with eyes of love. And he knows how, how destitute we are. But we have to agree with him about that. It's coming into agreement with, with how he sees us, right? And that's how the kingdom of God comes. And that's the place that he wanted to take them to. That's the motion that he was initializing through looking at them. Like, I'm going to open my mouth and I'm going to, I'm going to give you these words. They're going to take you into someplace greater. And so I want to pray with you. And then I'll hand it back over to, to Pastor Harry. Um, but just you, let's, let's use this time as a time of humility. Um, becoming desperate before him. And it's not just a one-time thing, but it's like this place that we stay. <laughs> desperate for him, relying upon him. For that's where... His kingdom reigns. And so, God, I thank you for calling us lucky. <laughs> God, I thank you for, for looking, looking into our eyes today. With, with capture, I thank you for capturing us with your gaze. Knowing the potential, the potential place that we could all be at. And sharing with us this truth. That we have to humble ourselves. That we have to, we have to have this humility before you. That I don't have what it takes to on my own. Like I, I can't, I can't cleanse my own sin. I can't, I can't rid myself of, 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 of wrong intentions. I can't, I can't fix myself. I can't fix my family. I can't fix my job. I can't fix the world. I can't fix the chaos. But God, when I, when I listen to your word, I can allow your word to take me where it needs to go. And so what your word does is it, is it, it, it speaks into existence what, what wasn't before. It brings light where there was darkness. It brings order where there was chaos. It, 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 creates, it creates something. And so, God, we just allow your word this morning to create in us this, this beggarly, this, this humility, uh, this humility, this humble state of being. For 2021, this is where we have to stay. Because we really want your reign and your rule in our life. There's nothing that we want more. <laughs> There's nothing that, that we want more for our family and, 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 and for our cities than your reign, your rule. And this is where it exists. With the poor in spirit. And so God, I just bless City Chapel. Bless those people, your people, to look into those eyes of love. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Appreciate you listening.